We believe you have a story to share. For 2,000 years, humankind has believed in the power of story. In healthcare, we're finding ways to better heal those who are in front of us. Join us as we explore healing stories now. Well, I want to welcome everyone again to a Healing Stories podcast. And we are so fortunate today to have with us uh, a, a healer, uh, someone who, uh, for her journey, has brought people an understanding of, of what healing is, especially in the arena of primary care. And uh, Dr. Warber, I'm so grateful for you to, to talk with us today. And I wonder if you could just introduce yourself to the audience and those listening today. Um, I'd be glad to. And thank you, um, Martin, for inviting me on this um, podcast. Uh, one always wonders where to begin in the story. I never had any intention of being a healer. I wanted to be a cowgirl, a cowboy, actually. But, of course, others told me I should be a cowgirl, um, which didn't seem fun. Um, so in my 20s, I began to be amazed and excited about plants and the fact that plants could offer us medicine. And so I began to teach myself about the healing powers of plants. And somewhere along the line, someone read my palm and saw a little square on my palm and said, uh, you could be a healer. And I totally rejected the idea. But it stayed there kind of growing slowly in my mind, I guess. And uh, through a long series of, of changes and understanding life itself by living it, and not necessarily in easy ways, uh, I eventually realized how much I loved working in the hospital and how much I loved working with patients and decided to go to medical school in my late 30s. And um, as I was in medical school, I was also working with a Native American healer from Northern Michigan. I went to her, of course, to learn more about the plants. Um, but she insisted that I had to learn the philosophy hmm. and uh, I also had to learn about healing in other ways. And uh, that training that I think was remarkable for me to be in the time of learning about medicine uh, at an institution, Michigan State University, College of Human Medicine, which was devoted to creating family doctors. So being able to have that education going on in parallel with this uh, traditional form of healing, or of learning, excuse me, where um, I basically would live with my teacher for weeks or months at a time and just participate in the daily life that she led. And as things came up, she would teach me about them, tell me about them. Um, 
and you never knew what was going to be happening from day to day. So entirely different type of learning than the organized presentation of knowledge in an academic setting. And uh, in truth, that that changed my life. That that is how I became what I became. And um, eventually founded uh, the Integrative Medicine Program at the University of Michigan and spent my working years growing, maintaining, fighting for <laughs> that. <laughs> um, and uh, now I'm happily retired and contributing in ways I would have never imagined working with the World Health Organization around how we integrate traditional systems of healing into primary care um, in the member states of the World Health Organization. Uh, I'm also launching a new study in which we will look at how the wisdom of women might help us to heal our relationship with the earth. And uh, I think I'll stop there. Your understanding of uh, your story is essentially our pursuit that we're offering to everyone who's listening because we know, just as you have so beautifully articulated, it's not something you're always planning. And uh, when you have helped us to see just these aspects of your life, I want to talk about a, a few of them, especially this one about learning with another. Uh, you seem to have been moved by that, especially uh, as we try and think about our own lives and how we learn. And uh, these, these people that were with you in teaching you, could you talk a little bit about them and, and what they taught you? Uh, because those are, are, these seem like very sacred moments for you. Um, absolutely. So I'm going to, I, my teacher's name was Kiwade Nokwe. Um, there are books available about her and in, for anyone listening, I would, I would really encourage you to read more about her life. Um, she was herself a, a very amazing woman and a very, um, a generous woman. She believed that it didn't matter who you were, what your background were, was, but if your heart was in the place of wanting to learn and, and to be um, more in harmony with nature, uh, she, she was there to teach you. Um, she also... Um, she she was one of those people who just emanated love. Mm. And so you, when you sat in her presence, you felt she was, she was totally present for you. And she was, um, she loved you, you know, whoever you were, <laughs> whatever you were. And, um, as I'm, saying this, I, I can see her smile kind of break across her face, and and uh, it was like all these 
uh, all the wrinkles in her face were like the rays of sunshine coming out of her eyes. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so she, and she, she loved the plants. If you went, um, she, it was so fun to walk with her and in the forest or along the beach. And um, she would just greet these plants as if they were her old friends, which they were. Um, and she taught me to, to ask the plant um, if it, the plant was willing to be part of medicine, um, to honor the spirit of the plant, and to ask for the plant to put their own healing energy um, into the, the medicine that was going to be made from that plant or that group of plants. Um, and see, so you mentioned the sacred moments. She, she made the process of gathering plants for medicine a sacred um, ritual, in, in effect, hmm. and that kind of a sacred contract between the gatherer and the plant. So here's the human and the, what I've heard some people now call more than human, <laughs> hmm. um, plant, and the human is saying, clearly, I I want your body, you know, maybe your roots, maybe your seeds, your flowers, for the medicine and explaining what the need is. What is the need for this medicine? And the promise, the, con the, the other side of the contract is that the human promises to see to the ongoing of that plant. So one might one way might be perhaps you need the whole plant, including the roots. Um, and as you remove that plant, you plant seeds that plant back into the space. That'd be one way. Another way might be that you care for a a, a, a piece of land. You protect it. You make sure that it doesn't get, um, uh, have a house built on it or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's many ways of doing that. But I love that, um, that time of communication. Um, and, and even in the making of medicines, that was to be done prayerfully. And, um, with good spirit and protecting the, the, the glowing medicine from uh, the inevitable negativity that sometimes can develop in any human situation. So that it, that, that energy that's within the medicine, all of the material concepts, con constituents, and the energetic constituents would all be for the healing of the person that was going to use the medicine. Mm. You, you really find 
that there is this intentionality about approaching uh, what it is that can heal us. And I think uh, so much of, at least even in my own life or others as I watch them uh, and the con consuming of supplements and, and all of these things, whatever is green, I'll, I'll order from anything. And, and you, what I'm hearing from you today is there's a relational aspect to your approach to what will heal you. And the, the intention of it as you walk towards the plant and as you walk towards nature, that your spirit can be open to that. And that really takes time. And, and as I was uh, talking with my dad yesterday, that means you got to put down your phone and pay attention. And uh, this, this is very hard for our world. Uh, are there ways that over your healing journey, you've learned how to put down the phone and how to look at these uh, aspects of nature? Because that, these, are, these are skills that you could help us with uh, in, a, in a fast pace, kind of I can just pop the pill and move on and, and keep looking at the phone and how I put my phone down and then really look out into the world and see its grandeur. So I yeah I have thought about that I so one thing I would say is even if you're taking a supplement that is made from an, a plant you can still have a relationship with it mm. and all it takes is a moment of mindfulness when you're taking that supplement or when you buy it or, you know, that we can, you can establish the relationship at any time. And even that moment of slowing down and being thankful mm. is, you know, that changes everything right in the moment. The bigger question that you um, posed there of how do we put down the cell phone and, and uh, connect with nature. Um, I, I, part of me wants to just say, just do it. <laughs> Trust me. Trust me, if you put down the cell phone and you look at nature, it will change you. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and that, that one of any of my patients who would hear that statement would say, oh, that's so Sarah. Um, <laughs> Um, so I tend to be a little bit on the pragmatic side. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Pragmatism is good. Um, but I think the other thing that, I mean, this, let me tell you about a little research that I think is really interesting. And it kind of goes to this question. This was a study done in Canada on a college campus. And here's the setup. There was a tunnel to get from A to B. And there was also a path uh, through, um, you know, a nice campus with, you know, lots of plantings and, and nature in it. So they, the experiment was they asked students, which did they think would make them feel better, going through the tunnel or going through nature? And, of course, the students said they didn't think it would matter at all. And they, then they tested them after they had gone through either the tunnel or the nature, and I think they probably crossed them over, so they did both uh, things. And their well, their sense of well-being and their emotional positivity was much higher after having walked across through the nature 
them through the tunnel. So, in our own lives, if you have the choice between nature and the tunnel, take the nature. Take the nature. Take the nature. And isn't it interesting, that's a learning. I mean, you have started off with telling your own story that is one of being with people and bringing you to nature. It's almost, uh, I can remember my days of teaching and everybody wanted to go outside and it wasn't a space out time with Mr. Schreiber, but it was more probably the energies of nature that that were helping. Um, And as, as we look at spaces of healing in clinics and in hospitals, the research that you're talking about from our friend, Dr. Jonas, shows just uh, windows that have nature coming into it, how shorter the stay is for patients in the hospital. Um, and, and that to me, even green space, the studies that are being seen, I think it was studying 541 vacant lots in Philadelphia and just helping that within neighborhoods, uh, how to see developing neighborhoods as places that could be healing. Uh, these are newer models of of an ecosystem of healthcare, and and just wondered uh, how how those things you're you're seeing uh, affect the lives of your patients. Just these these neighborhoods that have green space. I I definitely think that that's true, both from a research perspective and an experiential perspective. Um, I have often counseled my patients to find the nature in their own neighborhood. You know, sometimes we we just we don't see it. Hmm. It, It's just it's just we don't see it as distinct from uh, roads and sidewalks and buildings, and we don't necessarily see that the things that we've made we we humans, the roads the sidewalks, the buildings the institutions, whatever are are just things we've made you know, they're they're our little creations um, and they are different from this ancient life force that is in nature. And, um, all, but all you need, honestly, to have a nature experience is a weed that grows up between the cracks and sidewalk. <clears throat> That's it. <laughs> um, all you need is a butterfly that floats by you on its way somewhere and you notice. It's all about noticing and connecting, and but the tiniest bit of nature can change you if you focus on it, if you let it change you. You know, the noticing component is something that uh, we all in our lives struggle with, especially with time and time being what could be so sacred. Are there things that over the course of your practice and in just your own life that you have found to be some of the most sacred kind of times uh, that do you do you uh, place boundaries around certain things so that you have time to do uh, certain things that th- I, I think that would be helpful for us to to learn if you have some some pattern that that you create so that you have some sacred time for certain things clearly nature would be one of them 
so one of the things that I, I think is, uh, and this is maybe just wisdom accumulated across, you know, learning about many different kinds of alternative feelings and things, um, is to have some type of a daily practice. Okay. And I, I, I personally think it may not matter too much what the daily practice is, hmm. but it is about the dailiness. So for some people that's, you know, 20 minutes of meditation every day. For some people, it's, um, you know, doing Tai Chi every day. Uh, for me, personally, my my thing is to write in my journal. And I've um, got 21 years worth of journals to prove it. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but that... For me, that ability to just express my feelings and thoughts without censor, without a censor, with, with, because nobody's going to see that journal except me. Uh, and that has been, that was my practice. Um, I would say the other part of that practice is that I always um as much as possible, get outside or even to a window and um, greet uh, the day and greet the spirits um, around me who are contributing to my well-being and to give thanks. Um, and that, that, to me, that's more sort of like calibrated the day. It's... Um, um, to do that, to write in my journal, and um, uh, and then I'm ready to connect with the with the outer world. I guess at that point, mm. um, I guess I should uh, honor the coffee as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, that is a plant. That is a plant. Right? Yeah. It, I mean, boy, there's a topic I could spend a, a whole hour on uh, because I do think that all the research is back and forth around how much coffee, uh, you know, I, I'm with people who say go decaf and then I'm with uh, – people at work who say, please, Martin, go decaf. But there is, there is, <laughs> there is this way, you know, of, I think there's something very, uh, communal about coffee it, in, in retirement. I hope to have my own coffee plantation, but, but I don't, uh, at all take, take away from these elements of, of life because there, there's something so beautiful of what you're saying there, you know, journal, uh, collaboration with uh, the outside reality and and then uh, the, this kind of uh, medicinal coffee. So thank you for that. I think that's great. Well, I think the other thing that I'm doing, uh, that I, I learned, uh, partially I learned this from Key, Key Wade No Clay, but also, you know, I think we have more and more instances of this. Of how do you... How do you formulate your year? I mean, we just are talking about a day. Huh. But what is it about the cycle of the year that helps you to stay connected with time flowing around you and connected with the earth? And so the, the concept of earth-based spirituality, I think, um, is a nice generic term for lots of different practices. 
And um, I find being aware of the changes of the seasons. I'm fortunate to live in Michigan where we have seasons still, so far. Um, and, um, and marking that. So um, I really appreciate the honoring of the solstices and the equinoxes and the... Um, just aligning myself more with what is happening in the earth space around me. Yeah, it's really, we were having a discussion around the full moon and trying to yeah. think about, uh, are there things you've learned about this within uh, your research, within medicine of the full moon's uh, gravitational ways, uh, just the phenomenon of that. And I, I have it marked on my calendar and, and very conscious with my wife that when it's happening and, and what it does, but has there any, has the research or, or things that you have found to help explain some of these phenomenons? Um, I, you know, I haven't really delved into the research. I'm much more practice oriented in that respect in, um, there's a, certainly a period of my t um, in my life where I was routine, routinely doing some ceremonial work on the full moon, and it was wonderful in terms of of that in deepening that connection with the cycles of life around us. Um, I still tend to wake up in the middle of the night when the moon is full. Yes, and greet greet her. And um, uh, I think the moon has a, a lovely energy for us. And, uh, and this, um, in the tradition that Kiwi Nokwe taught, the moon is grandmother moon, not the man in the moon there. Huh. Um, and grandmother moon, of course, think of all the things you think of with your grandmother. Uh, uh, it tends to be on the loving side with their grandchildren particularly. And um, um, so that's another uh, interesting thing about thinking of relationships. When we start to think of our relationships with natural elements in terms of these kind of filial relationships, right? So I, I see the moon and I see her as my grandmother. Um, I see uh, a balsam fir, and I know that she is called Elder Sister. And um, so you start to have these relationships with nature that are, are like the loving relationships that we have with our family members. Uh, uh, you spoke so much at, at the beginning and, and now in this period of this uh new movement within uh, the woman uh, being such a source of wisdom, which we know throughout all of the ages has been true, but there seems to be a pinnacle or a, or a, 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 a budding that happens now. Could you speak a little bit about this? Because I'm in, in an awareness of something happening here, just not sure. And you said that that was kind of your uh, beginnings of whatever you call retirement, which I think is just a new beginning. 
it, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's. It, I mean, people say I just work harder now, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but could you could you talk about how you see this within health and within uh, maybe uh, your own practice as a, as a healer? Th- this way of, of of the feminine becoming such a, a a moment for our our world to to be mindful of in in terms of its its tremendous uh, opportunity to include it. I'd be happy to. Um, So, I agree that I think that women's voices are are finding their audience now, beginning to. Um, When I think about the earth, the world, uh, what we are facing, we're facing the prospect of a, you know cataclysmic type damage to the the earth itself and to our species. Um, we're living in a global village now, and what we do on one side of the earth impacts what happens on the other side of the earth. And so we have. So who is the who is it that has been the glue in a village? It's the women. Women do this, what's research called tend and befriend. So instead of competing, typically women tend the children, tend the village, and they befriend each other in the process of doing that. And they, and they, together. So when you think about that, think about what what our situation is right now. We actually need the women of our global village to come together and to speak. And we need everybody to listen. Hmm. <laughs> and, and I heard this one woman speaking recently, and I apologize, I can't give her the proper attribution to her name, but what she said is, remember what your mothers and your grandmothers taught you. They knew what the world needed. Huh. So we we can all probably think of a woman someplace in our life, and maybe many women, maybe we've been blessed with many mothers, many grandmothers, who were trying to teach us uh, what was needed, what was the right action, what was the good thing to do. Um, and remember that, let it guide your footsteps. Um, so I, I'm, I do feel like there are many people being called now to speak up, to act, uh, and I believe that many of them are women. And I... I think that's to the good of our world. I was so struck when I told you that I had had a, another a girl and you said it was a great time in our world to raise a daughter. And I said this to my wife and she said, oh my gosh, but look at all of the politics and things like that. And I said, well, you have to believe, you have to say, you know, that, that, that there is something here. And so I was so struck by your line. And, and I think uh, all those who are out there who are dads and who are moms, it's a great time to raise a daughter. 
is is a new phenomenon because you know in, in our different uh, cultures and in, in parts of the world the the daughter would would not be the person who uh, always was at the front but now that's changing I find yeah yeah well I think we it's a great time to raise children um, uh, and I think that you know for our daughters to be hurt we also need to raise our sons um, to be respectful and to know to be able to know their own vulnerable parts and their own ability to tend and befriend as well and we don't need to but hopefully we don't need to inculcate them in just the only relationship is competitive or yeah. superficial yeah. One one of the aspects that I believe you could really guide us through is these fears we have in life, uh, especially people uh, would talk, and I'm sure with you, of their fear of, of dying, uh, that that is probably a subconscious piece of so much of our lives. And I wonder about this tending and befriending. Is there anything that uh, you have found over your years of practice as a physician that helps people really with these uh, fears about death, um, ways to talk about it, uh, just to be aware that it's going to happen, but that our lives aren't necessarily always working towards uh, how that's going to happen to us. Uh, have you found this uh, as a way that, that you deal with some of the people's pain or, or, or fears? great question and I'm, I'm kind of racking my brain a little bit because um, I think that uh, what I've seen so, so in, in the um, sort of in the hospital setting I think what I've seen is people as they are you know very close to death and that there's that they are in that setting of kind of acceptance or even uh, anticipation of letting go of this body that is not comfortable to be in anymore. Um, from a more kind of backing off um, from that, a more um, anticipatory kind of fear um, you know that I've encountered that more in my personal life with my relationships with older people in my own family mm. and um, I think that there's two kinds of things happening um There's a, there's a sense of, have, have I completed what I, what I came here to do? Mm. I, I, mean, I, I think that if you've done what you, what you, um, I tend to think that we kind of all came in with a, a bit of a contract, a bit of a, uh, uh, an idea that we were coming here to do something. If you've done that, if you've lived fully and richly, 
then when it's time to 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 pass out of this, this is you're just passing into the next phase. Like you're talking about retirement isn't retirement, it's revitalization really. Yeah. Well so death isn't death, it's revitalization in a new phase of some type. And I've had other uh, teachers who have suggested that um, if you have some kind of an idea of what's coming and you might that might come from your, your faith or your tradition, whatever it is that you believe in, that knowing that is actually an, an incredible help to being able to face it. Um, I, currently, my my dad is um, he's ninety four years old, and he was talking to me about his dreams. And he said, "I always had these dreams about work. You know, there were always situations at work." And he said, "Now I have different kind of dreams." And he said, "I feel like I'm being prepared." Hmm. So I, I find that there's, to me, I guess I'm, what I'm trying to express is the sense of this as a part of a life cycle. Like it, it, it is a cycle. There's all kinds of things, energies, um, possibilities that are... attendant to that transformative change that happens in death. It's, it, it, I, I firmly believe it is a transformation. I don't think it's an end. Well, then it was interesting how you and I began our friendship was with what you have written on this healing journey. And I was so grateful that you had published this and put this out there. And, and now you're talking about the cycle of, of, of the life cycle of the end, but there are components that you have written about in this kind of, we all go through some wounding, some, some peace and go through suffering and how we come in uh, to an emergent phase and, and begin to, to come through to healing. And I, I just wanted to see if you could help us with that type of a journey uh, how how to go through it? How to how to be aware that uh, there is a there is a open door somewhere to us to get to healing? Uh, are are there things that you could uh, articulate that you have found are, are really important to this life uh, that is involving a healing journey? I think you're right when you say that we all get wounded. Um, and I think that what's interesting is we all get wounded. We don't all necessarily suffer to the same degree. Uh And that tells me right away that we can modulate, uh, suffering. Hmm. You know, if, if I cut myself and absolutely everybody or everybody that I cut has the same experience, then that, that that makes sense, right? And that it's kind of a mechanistic thing. But in fact, if we cut everybody in, but everybody has different experience of it, that means we're, we're changing it you know, somehow ourselves. Hmm. 
And what our, our research has shown, um, and I guess I would say this is reflective of my experience as a physician as well, is that um, there are all kinds of things that um, make a difference in whether we suffer or we move through to healing. Sometimes that is literally instantaneous. It can be a moment. We've done some research where we've found that people can articulate a moment of peacefulness. This could be maybe facilitated by another person. It might be in the presence of nature. And it's a, a kind of a relaxation um, of quiet and then a feeling of shifting and change. Um, it can also be something that is taking a lifetime of uh, a kind of a, you know, one step forward, two steps back kind of thing where uh, there's little surges in movement towards healing and then um, uh, kind of uh, regrouping and trying again. I think that an important part of that is relationships that happen. And um, when we were doing this research, we, we thought there's a bunch of doctors doing this research. And we were studying um, interviews with patients and the thing that struck me right away was uh, frequently the doctor in the story had a tiny little role. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really family or friends or um, uh, the pet who gives you unconditional love, um, relationships with, with God or, or uh, religion or spirituality. Um, we can help each other heal in every moment of every day by expressing our kindness and unconditional love to each other. That That is the foundation of uh, any relationship that helps. Um, so you can, you can be healing uh, when you're in line at the grocery store and you just recognize the fact that that checker is overwhelmed. Mm. and it changes everything for them in that moment. Mm. The, the other piece is, is really taking, I, I believe, it's more of, of, a more of a proactive, responsible um, uh, version of yourself, of somehow claiming yourself Claiming, reframing what's going on with you, finding your own positivity. Where is that? When that, um, I, I think that when we change or shift our attitudes, we actually change our physiology. Huh. I think that the the message to the body cells, uh, the message lives. Um, well uh, changes things and so we're constantly giving ourselves messages inside our heads I mean we 
think of the mo- the monkey mind is chattering away in there all the time. <laughs> um, so so learning to <laughs> to reframe how you see yourself um, is another huge piece. So um, relationships, the interior world of the self, and then that really can shift one to a place of hope, a place of self-acceptance, and a place where you even begin to look outside yourself and help others. And uh, recently I was having a discussion with a colleague about the concept of altruism. Um, And technically altruism means, you know, helping without any um, desire or regard, not, not any uh, accept, uh, expectation of anything in return, and that you do it without expectation of anything in return. But I think that the reality of helping is that you become, you're in relationship. Mm-hmm. And when you're in relationship, there is a reciprocal. Uh, experience. So I am healing you. You are healing me. That's a reciprocal relationship. And we can be in that reciprocal relationship anywhere, anytime, um, any place. Well, and, and you have given us today a relationship of a truth and of uh, authenticity. And I can't thank you enough because uh, our whole way of, of questions, as you and I talked about, we were going to live into the questions this morning. And uh, I feel we, we've really done that. And, and I want to thank you for, the t- for that. And, and is there a way if people wanted to uh, get a hold of you or, or were able to send you an email, uh, how would they do that, Sarah? Um, my email is S-W-A-R-B. E-R-U-M-I-C-H dot E-D-U. Beautiful. Yeah, I, and I would, I would be very interested in hearing from people who might happen upon this podcast. And um, it's always wonderful to have feedback or to hear other people's stories. Yeah. Uh, and I hope that my story has contributed to changing the world just a little bit today. And I am grateful for you and the uh, way you said this was your first time uh, to give a, a podcast and, and I imagine it won't be your last. And so, <laughs> so, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. But I'm thankful that you asked me to step into something that was a little outside of my normal comfort zone. <laughs> Time heals all wounds. Join us for our next episode of Healing Stories.